This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. He has no former comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death. Because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. And by his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Amen. No subject can be more important or dear to the heart of the believer than the death of Jesus on the cross. Yet, sad to say, many Christians have a very scant understanding of what it means for Jesus to go to that cross and to die on that cross. In fact, you would be hard-pressed in many cases if a believer was speaking to an unbeliever to be able to articulate, except in the very merest of terms, what it really means when we talk about the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so for that reason tonight, just for a little while, I want to focus on the cross. And say, well, it's very familiar to us as believers. That's true. But do we fully understand? Well, I don't know that we can fully understand. But how much do we understand when it comes to Christ going to the cross? cross. The most important issue regarding Jesus' death is not so much the how, but the why. 
The high is important. He had to die on a cross. Couldn't be stoned to death. Cursed is the man who's hung upon a tree. Had to die on the cross. And all the means that he had to go through to die on that cross. But what's more important than that is what is meant by Jesus dying on the cross. If you notice, if you read through the four Gospels, you'll discover that actually the Gospel writers don't say a lot about the actual suffering of Christ on the cross. Anybody who saw that film, The Passion of the Christ, we were shocked at the barbarity of the cross and all that went before it and during it. But when you read the Gospels, certainly mentions, but not in that detail. Because to the gospel writers, it's the why. The reason behind it is the most important thing. <clears throat> Remember in Genesis 50, uh, Joseph, after a whole series of events, he finally stood before his brethren. And after a few times of meeting with them, he finally declared who he was. Remember he said, I am Joseph, your brother. And I can imagine at that moment their hearts must have sank because at that moment they were found out and they must have felt right there and then that Joseph is going to pronounce judgment upon us, that his vengeance will be poured out on us and, and had every right to do that. But thank God he didn't do that. Remember what he said? You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. It took him a long time to get to that place of understanding. <laughs> if he had met those brothers when he was just a young man, <laughs> it might have been different. But now he's older, he's wiser, God has dealt with his heart. And he understood the reason why that happened. He said, for sure, even though you actually meant it for evil. No question about that. But don't worry, because I know God meant this for good. For your good. For my good. Man meant the cross for evil, but God meant it for good. And they really meant it for evil. They were wicked and cruel and barbaric. They were terrible in their punishment of Christ. Couldn't have been any worse. It was man at his absolute worst. But it was God at his best. They meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Now, the reality of all of this is not so palatable. And this is where people struggle. It was God who ultimately put his own son to death on the cross. Isaiah 53 and 4, we read it. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. Verse 6, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So be under no illusion. It was the Father who put the Son to death for you and for me. 
Verse 10, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. Now you could have all kinds of arguments about how it came about, the methods, the means. But the reality is, it was the father who put the son to death. Yes, I know as you read through the scriptures in Acts chapter 7, You'll see that Stephen, in front of that religious establishment, he was very bold and he says, you betrayed and murdered Jesus. In Acts 4, Peter and John before the Sanhedrin, whom you crucified. Acts 2.36, the day of Pentecost, before the, the Jews and the proselytes, those who had taken up the Jewish faith, he says, you have taken by lawless hands and have crucified and have put to death the Lord Jesus. And we know, of course, that the actual hands that crucified Jesus was the Romans. They were the ones who nailed him to the cross. They were the ones who pierced his side, who put a crown of thorns on his head. They were the ones who smote him. Roman hands. But all of that is secondary to the reality that ultimately it was God the Father who put his own son to death. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, Verse 8, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus. Note this, before time began. Before time began before any of us was ever born, before this earth was ever inhabited, before it was ever made, God had a plan. And that plan included the death of his own son to save us. And so God the Father poured out his wrath, his full fury on his son on the cross because he was our sin bearer and sin had to be dealt with and it had to be punished and it seems shocking it seems terrible it seems an awful act that God would do that against his own beloved son and that's where some people struggle some say God is a God of love he would not do that but he did and he had planned to do it even before the world began. And Jesus absolutely was obedient to the Father. Absolutely obedient to the will of the Father. Just like Isaac climbing up that hill with the Father with the wood on his back 
picture of Christ was prepared to die. The followers prepared to kill him, but we know they didn't need to because there was a ram caught in the thicket. But when Jesus went up that hill, when Jesus had that wood on his back, there would be no turning back. There'd be no last-minute reprieve. He would die the death of the cross, even the death of the cross, Paul said. It was all God's idea. It was his plan right from the beginning, according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. And so, in eternity, before time happened, there was a plan. It wasn't as if God woke up one day and saw the world in a mess and said, Look, the world is going pear shaped. The devil and man and sin has made such a mess of it, I better quickly do something about it. No. He knew it before time began. And he already had a plan in place. He already had a plan in place. If we believe in our lives that God knew everything about us before it happened, that whatever happens to us is no surprise to him. He already knows before it happens. Surely we can believe that he knows the end from the beginning and therefore had a plan before there was ever a problem. Isn't it nice to know tonight that God has got a plan before you ever have a problem? <laughs> Whenever we have a problem, we wonder what God's plan is, but God already had a plan before you had the problem. We don't always see it. Sometimes it takes time for that to come to fruition. But God knows the end from the beginning. Ephesians 1 and 4, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. <laughs> Revelation 13 and 8, lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Jesus wasn't forced into this. He wasn't made to do this. He wanted to do it. Here am I, Lord, send me. His choice. Yes, he wanted to obey the Father's will. Yes, he wanted to please the Father. Yes, he wanted to save us. But he chose. He made that choice. Aren't you glad he chose that for us? He knew that all the fury of God against sin would be taken upon him. But he still says, yes, Lord. I'll go to that cross. Ephesians 5 and 2, as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Jesus going to that cross shows us how much God loves us. The greatest expression of God's love for us is the fact that he allowed and he wanted his son to go to that cross for us. 
Romans 5, 7 and 8. You don't need to turn to it. Let me read it. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Ephesians 1 and 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. What a wonderful expression of God's love for us, that he would sacrifice his only beloved son. Nothing else in heaven would suffice. No angel, no cherubim, no seraphim, no archangel, no living beings, not even the greatest creature in heaven would be enough to come to the sin-cursed earth and go to that cross and give their life for us. It had to be, as the song says, the darling of heaven crucified. <laughs> What a privilege is ours tonight to own this Christ. To know that our Heavenly Father loved us so much for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave his son. There is no greater gift. There is no greater giver. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. There's the breadth and the depth and the height and the length of God's love. For God so loved the world, the breadth of it, the whole world, every continent, every nation, every nationality, Every city, every town, every village, every hamlet, every street, every house, every family. The breadth of it. I think that one of the things that we're going to enjoy in heaven is the variety of those who are there. <laughs> is the, the fact that so many people from so many nations. You know, Rachel's in Africa at the minute, and she could tell you better than I could tell you. I've only been there once. We've driven through a bit of it. But they love the, the bright clothes. <laughs> Africans love bright clothes. I, I remember Sally and I were driving through Kenya, and it, it, was, it was a Sunday morning, actually, and people were going to church. And the woman, the man, had, I mean, the sun was beetling down and the man had suits and ties on, but the woman had those headdresses and those beautiful floral dresses. They looked the part. I, I was in Lurgan the other day. You know that Turkin, we used to be Turkington's garage. You know where those Romanian guys do the, do the washing, the cars? And there was a woman, you didn't have to say she was Romanian. She might have been one of them's mom or Sister, I don't know, but you don't have to say that because you just looked at her dress. Only a Romanian would wear a dress like that. And that's not a put-down, that's, that's the way she is. But you can imagine we get to heaven, every color, every nationality, 
every language? Or will we all speak one language? Or will we instantly know each other's language? I don't know. But it's going to be wonderful. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, the depth of it, his only begotten son. Ah. That whosoever believes in him should not perish. The height of it. I know it's a cliche, but somebody says that God saves us from the guttermost to the uttermost. And he lifts us to sit in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Imagine us sinners <laughs> saved by grace and able to sit in heavenly places with Christ. What a gospel we have. But have everlasting life, the length of it. Eternal life, everlasting life, quality of life, quantity of life, both are included. Forever and forever and forever, unending, we shall be with him. But here's a mystery. Why should God love us? We who are sinful, rebellious, selfish, why should God love us? Isn't that a mystery? Sometimes I wonder why my wife loves me. Never mind God. Probably sometimes she wonders why she loves me. But for God to love us, a holy God, to love unholy, sinful men, it's a mystery. Can't explain it. Don't know why God loves me, but he does. And it's only the fact that it's in his word and it's a promise and it's a reality. Otherwise, I couldn't believe it. But I do believe it and I do receive it and I do accept it because it's in his word and because he proved it by giving us his son. Isaiah 53 and 6, we read it. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. <laughs> Rebellious. Wanting our own way. And it starts from the moment you're born. When your little child stumps their foot and says, No! Hmm. <laughs> That rebellion's there, isn't it? And yet God loves us. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. <laughs> None righteous, no, not one single one. So we had nothing to stand on. We had nothing to offer God. <laughs> Other than the fact that we were sinners. And he gave us a savior. All the world, Paul says, is guilty before God. Hmm. Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 
And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and whereby nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, for by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Verse 9, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor reviters, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, and you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. What a work God has done in our hearts. Amen. Did Jesus only go to the cross for us because the Father wanted him to? Because that was the plan before the foundation of the world? And because Jesus would always keep his commands? No, I think it was more than that. I think he went to that cross because he truly loved us as much as the Father truly loved us. And this is why the scripture Paul says in Ephesians 5 and 2, Christ loved us and gave himself for us. Ephesians 5, 25, Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Galatians 2.20, Paul says, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. John 15.13, greater love has no man than this and to lay down one's life for his friends. John, the gospel writer, on three occasions, very pointedly talking about himself, says, that disciple whom Jesus loved. <laughs> yes, he knew he loved the rest of them, but he was making sure, hey, he loves me. And I know he loves me. John was the one when they sort of leaned down to eat and those kind of long settees, as it were. John was the one who got closest to him and put his head on his breast. 
this is one of the greatest truths in Scripture. It's one of the greatest encouragements that he loved me and gave himself for me. When you feel nobody loves you and the world's against you and things are tough and bad, remind yourself, he loves me and gave himself for me. <laughs> Even if the whole world hates me, he loves me <laughs> and gave himself for me. Isn't it wonderful? Isn't it great tonight to know the simple truths, mysterious as they are, of the love of God which we have in Christ Jesus our Lord? And sometimes that may be the only thing that will keep you going. The fact that God loves us in Christ and that Christ loves us and gave himself for us. Somebody may say, I'm not a believer. I would love to know that for sure. I would love to know that Christ. I would love to know that I'm loved by him. Well, anybody can. Acts 16.31, simple. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. The gospel message, wonderful as it is, can be simple as well as mysterious to the point where even a child can grasp that truth. That if I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and trust him, I will be saved. Whoever believes him will receive forgiveness of sins. Acts 10, 30, 43. Romans 10, 13. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that's how you and I get saved. At one point in our lives, we called upon the name of the Lord. We asked him, Lord, save me. Give me your salvation. Come into my life. Cause me to be born again of your spirit. And whenever we did that, he was faithful to his word. And he saved us. John 1 and 12, But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become, or the right to become, the authority to become the children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Glory to God. And so tonight, believers all we are, but what a secure feeling we have tonight, Amen. that we are in Christ. Thank you, Lord. We weren't always like that, most of us anyway. Some of us took longer to come to Christ than others. Took me a good while to come. But when I came, I've never been the same. Hallelujah. And I know I am in Christ. And I know that he loves me. And I love him. But he loves me. And he loves you tonight. Lord, we thank you that you paid such a terrible price
that we might be saved tonight. We who did not deserve even the very least of your blessings, and yet in your mercy, you saved us. And so we give you thanks from our hearts tonight, knowing that our name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Knowing that if the Lord should come or call, that we would be ready. We thank you, Lord. But Lord, we have family, we have friends, we have loved ones, we have neighbors, we have work companions, we have school friends, and they do not know you. And they have not received your gospel. Lord, would you help us by our life and by our lips to reach out even into this community and see men and women and boys and girls come to the Savior. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for keeping us. And we bless you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We produce a variety of sermon videos and inspiring Christian content available for free on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Moira Pentecostal or visit our website for more information, www.mpc.org.uk.